Welcome to episode 58 of the RSA Resident and Student Podcast Series, a production of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine Resident and Student Association. RSA is an accessible collaborative organization that fosters innovation, education, and advocacy for residents and students in emergency medicine. In this episode, John Dylan Pate, a student at Kirksville College of Medicine and an AEM RSA representative, council, and education committee member, speaks with Dr. Allison Zanaboni, assistant director of emergency ultrasound at Einstein Healthcare Network, as well as the AEM emergency ultrasound section secretary treasurer. Today, Mr. Pate and Dr. Zanaboni discuss ultrasound in the emergency department. Welcome to AAEM. RSA podcast series. My name is John Dylan Pate. I'm a member of the RSA Education Committee, and I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Ali Zanaboni. Dr. Zanaboni is a, the secretary and treasurer of Emergency Ultrasound, AAEM. We will be discussing ultrasound in the emergency department. So welcome, Dr. Zanaboni. Thank you so much for having me. So I wanted to start out with asking you about your experience and how, how did you first come upon working in, with ultrasound in the ER? Yeah, so I remember back in medical school, we would get shown still images of like one clip of an ultrasound image as part of our problem-based learning curriculum, and I really hated it. I didn't think you could glean any information from that one image. And then I was fortunate when I started my EM clerkships to see it actually in action, where you're seeing a live moving clip of the whatever it is that you're interested in looking at, and how that changed the care at the bedside so quickly, and I realized I'd really been looking at ultrasound all wrong with these still images. So from there, I took the opportunity to do an EM ultrasound elective as a fourth year and really decided that that was something I wanted to make a big part of my practice going forward. And that's kind of how I got involved more with ultrasound through residency and pursuit fellowship. It's been a fun ride. Long, long way I've come since looking at those still images. Sounds like it. That's great. So what are some common applications for ultrasound in the emergency department? So there are a lot of ways that we're using ultrasound on a day-to-day basis in the emergency department. The spectrum of applications continues to be growing as well. The kind of core emergency medicine ultrasound applications that we think about commonly are right upper quadrant evaluating for biliary pathology, limited echo. Uh, We do a lot of aortas and fast exams in the setting of trauma, looking for first trimester pregnancies. But it's really broadened from that as well. DVT study of the lower extremity is a very common application that I use in my practice setting using ultrasound as an adjunct for airway management, doing thoracic ultrasound, musculoskeletal and soft tissue evaluations, ocular ultrasound, the list goes on and on, and it seems to be growing. And then in addition to that, there's all the procedures that we do guided by ultrasound. Are there any diseases that are not commonly diagnosed by ultrasound that you believe should be? So right now, even as we're expanding the use of ultrasound in the ED, I think there's some areas where we could be using ultrasound a bit more to guide our management. My favorite applications, and I think one of the most useful and underutilized, is for the evaluation of small bowel obstruction. Where I work, we see a lot of young patients that have had extensive abdominal surgeries. And anytime they come in, they're getting a CT scan if they complain at all of abdominal pain because their risk of having a small bowel obstruction is significantly higher than the general population. 
that can be evaluated for very well with ultrasound though and save the radiation. It's a portable, repeatable, relatively inexpensive radiation-free study that I think can add particularly to the care of these patients. And when you really look at the numbers, ultrasound performs far better than a KUB in screening for small bowel obstruction and in a lot of ways provides the information you need at the bedside. A lot of these patients, if they have a small bowel obstruction, their ultrasound will still need a CAT scan. And that's not a loss. Like getting further studies is not a negative after you've performed an ultrasound. But it can really help you to cinch the diagnosis early. And if it's normal, it can help you avoid unnecessary radiation in these patients, not infrequently. Definitely. Another thing I think is really uh, helpful is in the evaluation of skin and soft tissue infections. And I think that providing that look at the bedside to see what's going on under the skin surface to better characterize if there's an abscess, how big it might be for drainage purposes, that that's another application that should be used with great frequency. We're also expanding ultrasound in the use of resuscitation, guiding fluid resuscitation, assessing volume status. And another big thing that I think is developing relatively rapidly is the use of transesophageal echocardiography in the ED to guide resuscitation, particularly in the setting of cardiac arrest. So what procedures that you alluded to earlier that you use ultrasound for, what do you commonly use in the emergency department? So there are so many procedures that ultrasound is going to help facilitate. Uh, at this point, ultrasound guidance for central line placement, particularly in the internal jugular vein, is recommended by numerous societies and in a lot of places is considered the standard of care. But I kind of think of ultrasound as also being valuable in any case where you're trying to drain fluid from any part. Ultrasound is great for looking for fluid. So whether you're doing a joint tap, draining an abscess, a paracentesis, or pericardiocentesis, ultrasound is going to improve your ability to not only assess what fluid collection you're trying to drain, but in a lot of cases can give you ability to visualize in real time the drainage, which is both satisfying and improve safety. Some other things that we can use it for maybe a little bit less frequently, but are also fun applications and particularly in resource limited settings can be helpful. You can confirm chest tube placement, you can confirm endotracheal tube placement, you can look for landmarks for procedures like cricothyroidotomies or lumbar punctures, it's great in evaluating for foreign bodies and assisting with removal. And another area that I think that we're going to continue to see the use of ultrasound grow in regards to procedures is for ultrasound-guided peripheral nerve blocks to help with pain control for procedures or other painful conditions. And that's an area I'm particularly excited about. So talk about the process of training in ultrasound in the United States. How do people become competent or how do they become credentialed? That's a really good question. So the training is part of the emergency medicine residency program is mandated by ACGME, where residents become work towards competency in the emergency applications of point of care ultrasound. And how that is played out at each program is a little bit different. But in general, everyone is leaving residency having sufficient training in the core applications to go out and use those in their practice. The credentialing side is more of a hospital issue where the hospital authorizes you to perform various types of procedures. There's credentialing for things outside of ultrasound, but basically results from saying you've received appropriate training, you've completed the number of exams that you need to complete, and therefore the hospital will allow you to perform the studies and bill for those if that's something that the institution is doing. 
what are the benefits to completing a fellowship in ultrasound versus just having the ultrasound experience from the residency? As ultrasound education is becoming more and more robust, both throughout medical school curriculum and then residency, a lot of residents are graduating residency extremely comfortable with the use of ultrasound. It's a very natural part of their practice pattern. So the reasons for completing fellowship are a lot of times a bit different than folks just looking to bolster their ultrasound skills, although that's something you definitely gain in fellowship is improved skill set with ultrasound and a lot of times a broader skill set than you might have had from residency alone. But some of the other reasons that people look to do ultrasound fellowships and big benefits that come from those are preparing to work in an academic institution and provide education on ultrasound. Spend a lot of time developing lectures and really educating yourself on the literature behind ultrasound to improve the ability to educate other people on ultrasound. It can also prepare you to be the director of an ultrasound division, say. Learning the administrative side of things is a big part that you don't necessarily have exposure to prior to doing a fellowship. People take it in all different directions as well. Uh, you can get into research through ultrasound, and fellowship is a great time to start developing research ideas and methodology for ultrasound-specific things. And there's a fair number of people that even pursue ultrasound in an international setting. And so they're looking at how to improve access to ultrasound in lower resource environments. And so it's an international play you can do ultrasound as well. Wow, it sounds like ultrasound's really evolving as we speak. For those of us that want to learn more about the use of ultrasound in the emergency department, what resources would you recommend using? Yeah, I think that one of the most wonderful things about emergency medicine is the large amount of free open access medical education we can find on the internet to constantly be bettering ourselves and our knowledge. And ultrasound is a really high volume place for that. I have no conflicts of interest with any of these, but just some general items that I've liked to use that have helped me over the years develop my understanding of ultrasound. Early on, the website Pocus Atlas is great as far as providing images and clinical picture of a lot of different cases, particularly for people starting out in residency or for medical students. It's a great place to go and look when you see something come up to give you a little bit more information and just start building that pattern recognition that is a, such a big part of ultrasound. The website 5-Minute Sono is also a great place to learn basic scans. For people who are maybe a little bit more comfortable with ultrasound, have gotten some of the basic scans down, but are really interested in ultrasound, the Ultrasound Podcast is a like very long-running ultrasound podcast that has many, many resources that people can look through and learn about a lot of different topics. And the Ultrasound Gel Podcast covers current literature, so that's another great thing. Twitter is all over the place with ultrasound. Following people on there will help you see interesting images, hear discussions of what's going on in the ultrasound world, and give you a lot more information about ongoing studies and where our data is now as far as ultrasound literature goes. And then many residency programs are running their own ultrasound websites that are great resources to look at interesting cases, maybe look into some procedural items. So the options are, are near endless. Well, that's really great information. I know. Thank you so much for the insight, Dr. Zanaboni. And thank you to all the listeners. Be sure to look out for more podcasts soon. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast brought to you by the American Academy of Emergency Medicine Resident and Student Association. 
For more information about RSA, visit the website at www.aaemrsa.org. Listen to all podcasts in this series and explore the ways you can get involved with RSA. Join us again next episode for another topic of importance for emergency medicine residents and students.